Gardening Talk back. And we do have Brian on the line from Swansea, and he's got a question about roses. Good afternoon, Brian. How can we help you with your roses, mate? Hi, Scott. Um, look, I remember a few weeks back your mum talking about fertilisers for potted roses. So mine are potted, and um, sometimes I put dynamic lifter on it. I think your mum might have said that's too strong, uh, and I think she suggested using bounce back. Uh, I don't have bounce back, but I've got black marble. Is that going to be too strong to put on them? No, look, that should be all right for you. There is another great product. It's it's called Sudden Impact, and it's specifically for roses. Uh, so what it does is it, it's slightly uh, alkaline. It uh, really feeds up the uh, the bloom of the rose, so you get lots of nice flowers, and it's perfectly safe to use on roses in pots. You can use it uh, on roses in the ground as well if you want to. So that one's called Sudden Impact. You probably use it about three or four times a year. Uh, when you get it, there's a nice little measure in there, so it's really easy and simple to use. You can't over-fertilise it when you're using that product. Right, yeah, I have um, actually used it before. It was... Uh... It was pretty dear. That's that's why I went for um, black marble this this time. But I, so I probably wouldn't get sudden impact. I just want to know is, is black marble and uh, too strong, or is dynamic lifter too strong for them? They're Look, about- give them a go. Just use them sort of at a half strength. Uh, so always, whenever you're putting on any fertilizer, any chemical, always make sure you're doing it according to the instructions on the back. Uh, I know some people like to put in that little bit more. Um, but, you know, that's not always the way to go. So if you're using uh, Dynamic Lifter like that on your roses, uh, like Jude said, just use it a, a sort of a half strength and that'll be nice and safe for them. Right. Yeah, the other the other thing is um, are you, uh, it's Dynamic Lifter's a bit strong to be putting on the citrus plants I've got in pots too, isn't it? Yeah, so again with that, uh, use it at a sort of a half strength and, and they'll be fine if you do that. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, can I tell you what I did use on... on uh, in my potted fruit trees and it knocked them around. It was a bit too strong. Yeah, what was that, mate? That was um, the Trofort. Oh, I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, where'd you get that one from? Uh, I think it's a, at most... Um, oh, I don't, Bunnings don't have it. The hardware places have it. It's um, The garden gurus have advertised it on and off for years. It's it's actually a, a pretty good formula, but um, it's Troforte. But I, I used it on my... Uh, on all my potted fruit trees, and it really knocked them round. I, I don't know if I just put too much on, but it, it's supposed to be a good fertiliser, but it, it really knocked them round earlier in the year. Yeah, so look, that's always important to use it according to directions and make sure you can actually use it uh, you know, in a, in a on a potted plant because it's a very constricted root system they've got there and it can be very intense for, for the plant. So you just have to make sure, as always, you're doing it according to the directions on the packet. Right, good. And unless I've got one last question. Absolutely, for you. mate. You're not a problem. Um, so, look, normally what I do is I grow a heap of comfrey and I cut the comfrey leaves off and soak them in water and use use that as a liquid fertilizer. Now, I've got a heap of parsley growing that I don't really want. Is you know, if, if um, chopping all the parsley up and 
putting it in in a bucket of water for a week or two, if that'd be a good liquid fertilizer. Look, n- never heard of that as anyone doing that before, and happy for someone to call in if they have given that one a crack. But I, I think what you'd be doing, just like using the comfrey, you'd just be making a, a nitrogen-rich fertilizer. Uh, so probably only you know best to be using that on green leafy plants. But uh, look again, if anyone has tried uh, making some liquid fertilizer out of uh, you know a green leafy plant, feel free to give us a call and tell you how tell us how you went with it. Right. Uh, okay, Scott. Thanks very much for that. Okay, good on you, Brian. Thanks for the call. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. We've got Steve now from Hamilton South, and he's just transplanted some mag- magnolia trees. Some are all right, some not so great. Oh, well, let's help him out with the ones that aren't so great. Hello, Steve. How can we help you, mate? Uh, hello, Scott. How are you going, yeah, mate? Thanks pretty well. My, thanks for taking my call. Cheers. Uh, I, I uh, planted some um, advanced magnolia trees, and I was told they were, they were a good candidate for replanting. However, um, I'm seeing two of them get looking pretty sickly. Um, I don't know whether it's the wind um, or I'm not given enough water. I'm just not too sure. Yeah, look, I think at the moment it's going to be a bit of both of those. That uh, I'm trying to think when it actually rained. When did it rain last? A couple of weeks ago, I guess. Yes, yeah. yeah. But with this wind and the low humidity we've had over the last week, uh, yes, definitely if you've transplanted uh, a plant and disturbed the root system, uh, you're going to be need to watering it, you know, watering it very, very heavily uh, because the transpiration rate of the plant uh, is very high at the moment with the wind blowing over the leaves. It's just it's breathing heavily, I guess, is the best way to think about it. Uh, so you need to keep on giving it lots and lots of water and hydrate the plant. So uh, just even a slow, you know, hose or one of those little bubbler sprinklers just, you know, bubbling away uh, into the root system for half an hour, you know, give it a break for a few hours, you know, give it another half hour, just so it's been continually soaked at the moment uh, and look the other thing you you can uh, use steve is a uh, there's chemicals uh, that you can actually spray on the plant uh, they form like a polymer coating over there over the plant and they stop the transpiration uh, and just slow everything down so a really good uh, spray to go and get it's called stress guard uh, it's a really good spray to go and use to try and keep those plants healthy and we've got david from west End and he says he's seen a, spoken to a gardening guru in Norfolk Island and uses parsley to fight weeds. David's uh, answered our call for help about that. Uh, g'day, David. How can you help us? Yeah, good, Scott. Um, yeah, a uh, uh, parent of uh, my daughter's friends, they're moving over there permanently. Mm-hmm. He does their gardening and he carries around pocketfuls of parsley seed, which he throws around everywhere because... Parsley um, apparently sits down a very long taproot, which does, yeah. uh, and then eventually dies off. So, um, a it's uh, it's it's a strong grower. It's um, sort of competing with the weeds for space, mm-hmm. um, but it also uh, aerates the when it dies off. It's aerated the uh, the soil because of the long taproots that it sends down. So. He just has pockets full of parsley seed all the time and while he's weeding he throws parsley seed around everywhere and the parsley goes just grows wild and uh, eventually dies off and, uh, and that's how he fights the weeds. Yeah, look, that's not a bad idea, is it? And parsley does have a big, deep sort of uh, tuberous taproot that goes down. I know when you pull it out it, it's you know, quite hard to get out, but, yeah, that's a really good idea and, of course, well, you get some free parsley out of it as well. <laughs> I've got to tell you, Scotty, as well, they grow about six varieties of avocados over there and they're all beautiful, but there's... Um, and they all have um, different times that they're in season. 
but there's one is like a big round soccer ball. It's about the size of a small watermelon, and it's absolutely delicious. Oh, that sounds really good. Wonder why the avocados grow so well out on Norfolk Island. Huh? Well, it's a semi-tropical environment. You know, yeah. the temperatures always year-round. It sort of varies from I think the coldest it gets is about twelve, and the hottest it gets is in the high twenties or something like that. So, okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, it's a it's a great um, fruit and veggie growing area. Although it's a, you know it's only an island eight kilometres by five kilometres that's covered in hills. But interesting place. Cows have right away covered with feral chickens. The whole island. Um, yeah, interesting place. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Greg's probably going to give me a geography lesson now. Lord Howe Island, Norfolk Island, which is further north. Norfolk. Yeah, is, um, Norfolk the... Islands between sort of Auckland and. New Mir. It's um, Lord Howe Island's about halfway to Norfolk Island. Yes, okay, yeah. Oh, very good. Okay, thank you for that. Okay. Okay, appreciate the call, Dave, and thanks for that information. Good idea. Okay, love your program. Jeez, thank you. you. And Norfolk, I think it would be Norfolk because it's called Norfolk. Yes, okay. Right. <laughs> yep, okay. That was my reasoning anyway. Ah. Guarding Talkback on 2 and URFM, <laughs> we've got Dorothy from Musselbrook, and she needs a bit of help. She's used stress guard on her bush orchids. And they've all turned white. Ooh, not too good. <laughs> Dorothy, tell us about it. Tell us the bad news. <laughs> it, it's got me curious, I'll tell you. Uh. <laughs> I moved them um, just before, well, at the end of autumn. Hmm. Uh, because I thought, no, I've covered them up in there long enough. I had them under a lot of shrubs to try and preserve them from the heat. Well, of course, we didn't have it last summer. But anyway, I moved them, repotted one or two of them and put them down the back under the crepe myrtle, which, of course, doesn't have leaves on it, does it? No, no. so the, the cold started to settle, did it? Yes, yeah. and I sprayed them. I sprayed the frangipanis, and I thought, yes, I'm going to be pretty safe with this. And I went down after the second frost, not the first. The second frost was a biter. And uh, I, two days later, and I looked at them, I thought, oh, well, that's different. <laughs> the, the top leaves, the under leaves are, are quite still deep green. Yeah. But the top ones, they're all white. And, 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 well, a very light cream. Uh, they're not exactly stark white, but they're a creamy colour. Now, I went down a few days after that, and they've got brown spots on them as well. Okay, now I wonder if it's not just the stress guard, it has just been the, the frost that's done it, because the way you're describing it, that the under leaves are still protected and nice and green. Yep. Uh, I wonder if it is just the frost, you know, moving from that protected spot out to under the crepe myrtle where there's no leaves and they're getting directly hit by that second frost, that's what's happened to them. But that, that said, uh, you know, bush orchids, as you know, are pretty tender sort of plants, so spraying things over their leaves, yeah, maybe not the best thing. Um, but look, it's done, and hopefully they recover for you, and those uh, you know leaves that are underneath still come back uh, and, and take but over. Do, and... do you think they're burnt, Scott, or do you think they're just in a stage of fright? No, look, I would think they're burnt if they've gone off white like that, and then you're starting to get brown spots where it's dying. So don't pull those leaves off, though. Leave them there now as protection for the the good leaves that are underneath. Yeah. And yeah. once you get the the crepe myrtle, uh, you know, shooting again, and there's some protection, and we know all the frosts have gone, then it might be time to give them a clean up and and pull those uh, damaged leaves yeah, off. Yeah, well, I sort of did the oh. did the clean up and everything in in autumn, and I I moved them and I shouldn't have. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, is it worth, uh, you know, if you're going to get a frost, uh, going and tossing, you know, some shade cloth or an old sheet or something over yeah, them just yeah, to protect them? Yeah, I've got them? shade cloth, yeah. I cover the veggie garden in shade cloth 12 months by 12 months um, because either the frost kills it or the heat does. Um, do you, another do you... thing I was thinking of with the orchids, they haven't flowered for a couple of years. Got any secrets for that? Well, I'm wondering if moving them now might give them a bit of a shock and stress them out into flowering. But look, generally, uh, just fertilising orchids a little bit, you know, regularly is is the way to go just to get that nice yearly flowering out of them. Well, I've been using blood and bone. Have you got anything that might improve that? Yeah, well, blood and bone's a fantastic safe fertiliser to use on on native plants, on orchids like that. Uh, If you go to your garden centre, you can always get a specific orchid. We don't have one. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, they took the forestry away from us. Oh, no. Everyone else vanished yet. Oh no! Okay, we've got nothing here. You might you might have to resort to the interweb for things, but yeah, I uh, think so. yeah but yeah. look on there, you should be able to find uh, specific flowering fertilisers for orchids, and I would get some of that and and apply that. Uh, and, okay, and you should get some flowering out of those plants, and giving a bit of a stress as well might not be a bad thing. Okay then. Thanks a lot, Scott. Okay, appreciate the call, Dorothy. Good okay, luck with it. Bye. Bye-bye. So we've got Maxine from Singleton. She's got a question about the dragon fruit plants. See you in about half an hour. <laughs> Hello, Maxine. How can we help you? Uh, I was given a um, dragon fruit plant. Yes. I don't know anything about them. Uh, how do you look after them? Yeah, look, the, the great thing is they're very, very easy to look after. They're actually a, a type of cactus from South America, so you can, you know, virtually just stick them out almost in the full sun, a little bit of shade if you want to as well, and they will just grow and grow for you. You know what they really look good in? If you can put them into a, a hanging pot and hang them up out of, you know, under some rafters or something, they'll actually get these big, long cactus-type tendrils, and then the dragon fruit when it flowers, comes on the end of that. So, yeah, a really easy plant to look after. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, also, it's got, uh, and that is one of their cactus leaves or whatever they are. Yeah. And it's got holes in it. Right, okay. And that's on the dragon fruit, is it? No, it's on the leaf itself. Yeah, okay. So it looks like something's been boring into it or? Yeah, perfect round. Uh, you know, yeah, little hole in there. Look, yeah. the, the great thing about them is they're they're really really tough. I, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Uh, I, I'd just get it into a pot, get it into a nice position, start watering. It doesn't have to be you know uh, regular watering. Just can be uh, you know once a week or so. And when they get that beautiful um, fruit on there, it gets this really bright pink. And you open it up and cut it in half, and it's a bit like a kiwi fruit. You scoop out the inside of it and just eat that really nice white flesh inside. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had it before. I've never, you know, it was given to me a couple of days ago, so I thought I'd do it. And they didn't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So look, get it into a hanging pot. I reckon that'll be the easiest way to look after it. Uh, you know, in a in a sort of a, a cactus mix, and uh, all will be well. You'll get some nice dragon fruit uh, coming off it. Right, turn some cactus mix. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thanks for the call, Maxine. Thank you, Scott. Cheers, bye-bye. Bye. We've got Bev now from Toronto, and she's got a question about the passion fruit vine. Good afternoon, yeah. Bev. How can we help you? Uh, well, we're struggling to get this vine going. It's got two uh, 
you know, leaves coming off. Yeah. And the top one, the, it was good and healthy, lovely leaves everywhere. And all of a sudden, all the leaves have disappeared for about oh, a metre along the top vine. And we can't find out what is eating it. Look, at the, okay. at the moment, Bev, I would say there's probably nothing eating your passion fruit vine. I think it's just winter. Uh, and, and it's just thinning out naturally with the cold and the wind. That that would all be uh, be happening at the moment, I'd say, with the passion fruit. Right. Yeah. The, the, the leaves are on the rest of it, which is good to see, but we wondered why, you know, this, the lead one was um, naked. Yeah, and, and that's you're saying that's the one sort of at the top of the plant, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be it. The cold settling on it, and they're just naturally falling off. The passion fruit are a tropical uh, plant. They don't necessarily like the, you know, the cold that we're getting at the moment, and especially the wind. Mm. Uh, so I mm. think that's the that's the problem. Bear with it. Mm-hmm. Once we get to mid August, September, it'll be fine. It'll be shooting on as quickly as possible for you. Right. Another little question. Yeah. I've got. I I had to get rid of our lovely fig tree, that uh, I struck. Um, uh, one of the pieces off it, and um, it's about two two and a half foot high. There's two; these I've got them in a pot, and um, there's two little branches on it. And I, I was astounded that two weeks after I put it in the pot, it had leaves on everything. There appeared a fig, <laughs> and um, it, it was you know just struck, and and I thought, well, where did this come from? There's a beautiful fig. So I, I, I harvested the lot. Or <laughs> <laughs> one of them. Uh, and and yeah. it kept on... Well, figs are a really tough plant, so it's not surprising that it did that. Uh, mm-hmm. But look, generally after you've transplanted a, a plant or you know, taken a cutting like you had, uh, probably not mm. best to let it uh, fruit like that because you want it to put its energy into the root system and into, the, mm. into its growth. So uh, you mm. know, anyone who's doing some cuttings and like that and a plant decides it's going to fruit and flower, always just pick mm. that off and let the plant put its energy back into uh, you know, re-establishing itself and getting itself yeah. back up and running. I did. It was a lovely fig. But anyway, uh, what, what I've got it in the pot now, it's got a saucer underneath it because I didn't want the taproot to go through the bottom. Yes. As uh, it did in the first pot I had it in. So I put the saucer under it. Now, should it sit in water or not? No, I would say no with a fig. Uh, great to have it under there to stop the taproot. But, uh, yeah. yeah, letting it do that, uh, you know, sit in a saucer of water, it's going to get soggy. It's not going to be very happy. Uh, if you mm-hmm. let it do that, it might be best to get you know an old paver or something and and just put it directly underneath the pot so that it it can still drain out, but uh, right. you know the taproot can't get down into the ground or into the pavers underneath. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for that. Okay. Big help. Not a problem. Thank you for the call, Bev. Appreciate it. Bye. Thank you. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on to when you are at FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call four nine two one six two one six. And Scott, you mentioned. Moving agapanthers Ag- earlier. Uh, yes, transplanting. Transplanting them. Yes, and, and look, any any clothied fool can do it. They're really, really easy to do. They <laughs> yep. are they are very easy to do. You can just get the spade, uh, get in there, and it is the time to do them at the moment because they're you know it's cold. You know they've probably stopped growing, looking a little yep. bit straggly. Uh, so just get the spade, chomp in there, in around the root system. Doesn't matter if you're only getting part of the tuber out. Just make sure you're putting that back down and under the soil and you'll transplant them an absolute treat and they'll be ready to flower again once we get to the summer months. Right, excellent. Yeah. So 
Easy to do. Easy to do. Like I said, anyone can do them. <laughs> anyone. <laughs> anyone. Even if they're not a gardener, they can In- do them. Including myself. Yep. And we've got Maxine from Fishing Points, and she's got a question about indoor potted jade plants. Good afternoon, Maxine. How can we help you this afternoon? Uh, hi, Scott. Another Maxine. It's, uh, <laughs> it's we ra- don't hear the name a lot, and you've just had a Maxine as well. Raining, pouring. We'll see if we can get a third one on the line and go for the full, <laughs> the full trifecta. <laughs> Um, I've been given a a little pot with I've googled it and I think it's jade. I'm pretty sure it's jade. Yes. And um, it the trunk of it is about sorry about this, but it's about an inch round. I can't tell you the other way. No, that's all right. And the whole thing's about a foot high, and it's in a pot. But um, I've bought a, a nice pot to sort of put it in. I haven't repotted it. I've just left it in the little white plastic pot that it's in. Um, does it need to have the plastic plug taken out of the bottom of it? Because it does, the pot I bought, it comes with a saucer as well. Oh, yes, most definitely. Uh, so jade's a, a type of succulent. Uh, some people call it money plant. It used to be, you know, you put it at your front door and it bring you some luck as well. Yeah. Oh, and maybe some money too. But a really... <laughs> A really, really tough plant. I've got one outside of my front door. I'm, I don't know if it's brought me luck or money at the moment, but uh, I'm, I'm still counting on it. Keep hoping, yeah. yeah. My, my, um, my house faces south, so it, it does get some, you know, dappled sunlight. Um, so we'll grow there. It will also grow out in the full sun, the full western sun, a very, very tough plant. But the only thing it won't like, though, is sitting in soggy conditions. So you need to pull that plastic plug out of the pot. Get rid of the plug, right? Yep. And um, it's—I I did read Mr. Google that I don't like reading, but I did, and he said it like some south. So on the southern side, there is absolutely no sun, but plenty of light. So that's where I've got it on a table next to a, a big glass door. So it's getting a lot of light, but I do have an easterly window that it can sit near as well that it gets the morning sun so yeah look i would think it'd probably do all right on the on the easterly uh side look again at my place mine's actually outside so it's getting a fair bit you know more light but it's facing south um i think when it's indoors you might want it to be on that easterly window just to give it that extra bit of sunlight to give it some sun. Okay, yeah. well, I'll move it back. I just was unsure. And how often would you water something like that? Is oh, that a silly question? Look, look one, once, once a week. Uh, you just want, week? you don't want it to dry out so that it becomes sort of bone powder dry. Uh, the uh-huh. other thing you can do with them is cut them back very heavily and they will sprout back. They're very, very uh, great for pruning. Uh, and you'll just keep on thickening up that trunk that you, you mentioned and you'll get uh-huh. a really nice looking plant. And you can just hack at them. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. Oh, no, no definite way to do it. No. Yeah, it's got one trunk and then it's got maybe one or two little trunks as well. It's, it's a happy little plant. Yeah, so uh, if, you, uh, if you prune it back every now and again, you'll get those trunks thickening up. You'll get a much fuller plant rather than letting it sort of reach out for the sky. Yep, uh-huh. No, I understand that. Okay, excellent. And what, every three months or something like that? Oh, just give it a little sort of little touch over, I guess, with the scissors and just prune it back and just keep it nice and full. Yeah, good. All right, Scott. Thank you very much. Okay, not a problem, Maxine. Thank you for being number two. Thank you. We, look, oh, we'll, yeah, number two, Maxine. We'll, even, we'll even go with a Max if we can, just oh, to try and get the trifecta. That's my nickname. <laughs> oh, good, that's good. My nickname. <laughs> thanks, Scott. Okay, thanks for the call. Bye. Bye. We've got another call on the line. It starts with an M. So close, so close. We've got Michael from Bolton Points, <laughs> and he wants to know how hard he can prune back his orange, orange jasmine. 
Hello, Michael. Yeah. You've got a Maria, have you? I've got five of them. Yeah. I call them orange jasmine. That's what, that's what they were called yeah. when I bought them. Either way, they're, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, they're close to four metres high and they turn into a hedge. Yes. And they're absolutely fantastic because they give us a lot of privacy, blah, blah, blah. But I just noticed on the edges, on the outsides, the inside's getting real, like, barren. Mm -hmm. If you know it. And I'm wondering if I should cut them back or prune them right back a bit. Uh, look, you can. Uh, if you do it at the moment, though, not much growth is going to happen. So you're going to end up with a, a pretty, you know, bare sort of area yeah. and plant for the next couple of months. So yeah. if I was going to do it, I'd, I'd actually wait a couple of months and then give it the hard prune. Uh, okay, and then within two or three, question, yeah. yeah. Then within two or three weeks, you'll get that beautiful new growth coming back, and it'll be much quicker for you. Okay, but it won't hurt them. Though. That's what I was worried oh, about. No, absolutely not. Now, the other thing you can do is if you've got a big hedge like that, and I, I love doing yeah. this, uh, is you sort of keep the facade of the hedge there, and if you can, you go inside the plant. And you yeah. prune up in the middle of it so that you're still getting light coming down in the middle. You can't necessarily see that you've done it because you're not looking um, yeah. you know, down into it. But it just makes for a much more healthy plant if you do that. Uh, so you're really just keeping the, the facade of the plant uh, there, but it's hollowed out in the middle. It's a great way to prune up hedges. It makes it much easier rather than trying to get your hedge and prune out over the top of it. Yeah, great. I've got to get a big ladder to do it. It's really huge. Yeah, so yeah, if, thanks if, very much for that. If you use that method, just jump inside the plant, uh, try yeah. and, and follow the branches and see which ones you can do. Uh, you have to be careful yeah. about that because sometimes if you do the wrong one, you'll actually prune the outside of the hedge. But yeah, yeah, generally you can get in there and thin the hedge out really nicely. Thanks very much for that. Okay, thanks for the call, Mike. Thanks, Scott. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye bye. It's a gardening talk back on to when you are FM. And Scott, just before you leave us, you mentioned about pruning roses. That's a good time to start doing it now. Yes, fantastic. It's uh, gone nice and cold uh, for us. Sometimes you have to wait, you know, uh, into the middle of August to start pruning your roses. But this year's gone nice and cold, so it is time to do it. Uh, look, the, the best way to do it is imagine you're creating a, a cup where you're hollowing out the inside of the plant and you're getting a nice shape coming up the outside. Uh, Fertiliser's really important as well. Uh, heaps of poultry manure for roses, they love that. Uh, you can use almost uh, like a third of a bucket, 10 litres uh, of poultry right. yeah, on each, on each uh, rose. That's, uh, a so That's a lot. It is a lot, but they're really heavy feeders. Uh, you get it in there, you just move it away from the trunk, uh, water it in, and then in a couple of weeks' time after that, uh, you give it some other rose, uh, rose food. Excellent. Almost too easy. It is almost too easy. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. Great to have you back, and hopefully we see you again next Monday. That'd be fantastic. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.